is Shifty Schiff ever going to pay for his crimes? I doubt it, as usual. More from the COVID cult and some scary info, some very scary info. You're not going to want to miss that. And Starbucks gets smacked again. Yep, (laughs) two nights in a row. Welcome to the Jay Sheldon Show. Happy Thursday, kind of a sort of day, waiting for Friday. And uh, yeah, we got to get through Thursday and then Friday's just around the corner. You can smell it coming. All right, we got all that and more coming up, including our book. Of course, we're reading uh, George Orwell's 1984, and we'll continue on with that. We're up to Chapter 12. Right now, though, we will move on to our Miko update. We start every show off with an update on our favorite little furry friend, Ms. Miko. <laughs> She's doing great. And a big smile on her face, as always. She had a couple of good walks today. No big drama or anything to report on. Her back leg is apparently recovered because she's been zooming around all over the place and jumping up and down. We're <clears throat> trying to keep her as as calm as possible, but that's not always possible, especially when she wants to do thug life, Miko. There's a... <laughs> yeah, that's a picture of Miko doing thug life. All she needs are the shades and the cigar, and, and she's all set, so... But, uh, oh, look at that. She's so adorable. Indeed. That's why we love her so much. Miko update brought to you by the good folks at BarkBox.com slash Miko. BarkBox is a monthly subscription service for your dog. Every month you get a themed box full of two toys, two bags of treats, and a dog chew. Sized right for your dog. Any allergies, don't worry about it. They'll take care of that. And if you're ever not happy with anything, they have a 100% happiness guarantee you can sign up for one month six months 12 months if you use our special link it's in the show notes but it's easy to remember barkbox.com slash miko m-i-k-o you'll get a very special deal and that is a free extra month when you sign up for a multi-month subscription also if you look in the show notes this special is going to end like next week i think they're just in time for summer you can also pick a water toy from fun toys and bark box and the jay sheldon show of course use that link if you'd rather have a cool a couple of cool uh, styles of floaties a couple of cool uh there's a fire hydrant water hose that squirts out miko would absolutely love that i'm thinking about getting it for so anyway you check that link out it's in our show notes and that will get you that special deal on the fun toys and or the free month from bark box.com all right (sighs) spineless republicans 20 of them to be specific we'll tell you about it in just a second but you know they were voting today to censure adam schiff an absolute embarrassment to humankind and 20 republicans proved just how ballless or spineless they are and voted against it. Now, did you see what conservatives have recently done to, oh, say, Bud Light, mm, Target? $50 billion in market cap once they cross the line. What makes you think we won't do exactly the same thing 
to you. Because we will. Just try us. Just try us. I'm telling you. I am telling you. You want a list? I got a list for you. If I'm not mistaken, the link is in our show notes. I'm not going to go through all these. I don't even know where half of them are from. I understand about five of them typically are from California. Oh, no surprise there. But here from DC Drano, the 20 alleged GOP reps, you guys might just as well turn in your GOP badges, sided with the Democrats, voted to protect lying, stinking, rotten Adam Schiff from a resolution to censure, er, censure and to fine him. And let's make him famous. Armstrong, Chavez de Reamer, uh, Siskomani, Cole, Davidson, Fitzpatrick, Granger, uh, Graves from L.A., Louisiana, Keene from New Jersey, Kylie, Kim, Lawler, Massey. Oh, come on. I suppose no surprise there. McClintock, Molinaro, Obernolt, Simpson, Turner, Valadeo, and Womack. Yep, that is, let's see, there's one, two, three, four, five of these morons from California. Well, not much of a surprise there, is there? Mm -mm. Nope, absolutely not. All right, let's give you a little bit of the details about exactly what happened. (sighs) Republicans joined the Democrats, 20 of them as a matter of fact, Hang on a sec, because I've got something in my headset, and it won't stop, and I cannot hear anything. Jeez, what the hell was that? All right, 20 Republicans joined the Democrats in opposing the censure motion against Adam Schiff, sponsored by Rep. Luna from Florida. Uh, Luna had introduced legislation aimed at fining Schiff's a staggering $16 million dollars for his role leading up to the Democrats' first impeachment of former President Trump. The legislation accused Schiff of acting dishonorably on many other occasions, claiming he falsely denied his staff's coordination with a whistleblower. The House made a decision to suspend the resolution with a vote of 225 to 196. There again is the list of all the Republicans who decided for a day they wanted to be Democrats. Unbelievable. No confusion. Some did not accurately read the bill. Uh, But the representative, Rep. Luna, who introduced the bill for censure and fine, says, make no mistake, I will be filing a privileged motion to censure and send shift to ethics for investigation. See you next week, Adam. So, yeah, the lying, sniveling little coward has managed to get away with it again. They're going to get him. They are going to get him. Do you need to be reminded of exactly how often, and this isn't all of them, but it's a great compilation. The Russians offered help, which we know they did. The campaign accepted help, which we know they did. Uh, the Russians then delivered help, which we know they did. There is circumstantial evidence of collusion. The case is more than that, uh, and I can't go into the particulars 
but there is more than circumstantial evidence now. So, You've said on more than one occasion that you've seen ample evidence of the Trump campaign's Russia collusion. Last March, you said you had more than circumstantial evidence of treasonous collusion with Russia. I've certainly, certainly said that there's ample evidence of collusion. Can you agree that there has been no evidence of collusion coordination or conspiracy that has been presented thus far between the Trump campaign and Russia? Uh, no, I don't agree with that at all. I think there's plenty of evidence of collusion or conspiracy. But we do know this. The Russians offered help. The campaign accepted help. The Russians gave help. And the president made full use of that help. And that is pretty damning. Um, reviewing the evidence that He's I... just blatantly lying. And he knows he's lying. And yet, for a year over, he to this day... He continues to lie. And people just gobble. Oh, hoo, hoo, hoo. People just gobble it up. Something needs to be done. And keep going, Representative Luna from Florida there. Go for it. Get him. All right. Here's another nice one for you First Amendment lovies out there. <laughs> They're coming after. I'm telling you. If it's not the Second Amendment, it's the First Amendment, and they're doing everything they can. A Biden censorship lawyers say that questioning masks, which have been proven not only not to work, but to be actually harmful for you, and vaccines, same story, often will not be protected by First Amendment. Hmm. <laughs> The judge presiding over the lawsuit filed by Missouri and Louisiana, which alleges collusion between the federal government and social media companies to censor certain viewpoints, is said to have been asked if the Biden admin ever read George Orwell's 1984, which we're reading on this show. The transcript of the hearing is not yet available. However, Missouri's Attorney General Andrew Bailey shared some of the statements made by Judge Terry Doty. The, this is a quote, Bailey tweeting, The federal government had a hard time convincing a judge last week that it hasn't been working with and coercing social media companies to censor free speech. The judge asked the feds, if they'd ever read George Orwell's 1984, pointing out the similarities between the case and his book. Bailey also tweeted that Dougherty asked the federal government about their views on protected speech. He asked if an American, listen to this, the judge asked if an American citizen questioning the safety or efficacy of masks or a vaccine was protected under the First Amendment. The Fed's answer? It could be, but often won't be. Hmm. Believe that? This is the lawyer for the Feds. It could be, but often won't be. Remember Johnson & Johnson vaccine limited by the CDC because of safety concerns? Feds censored people for expressing concerns about the safety. 
The judge also asked Biden's lawyer if the First Amendment covered Americans' rights to say that Biden is responsible for high gas prices and inflation. And their answer? It depends. They asked, the judge asked if the First Amendment applied to the Americans' rights to say that the 2020 election was stolen. Their answer? It depends. Same thing. This is where their mind is at. This is where your federal government is with regards to your First Amendment right. Man. All right. I want to flip ahead. But where is that? Hang on, because I got to find the story. It's very important. All right. We'll get to it. I got more on this vaccine thing coming up. You're not going to believe this one. I think I've got it in tonight's show. If not, it'll be in tomorrow's. So uh, do check it out. All right. Uh, let's see what else we got cooking here. Uh, right. We're going to go there. We're going to do that. And yeah. Hello. Anytime now. What is the problem? It's been one of those days, folks. <laughs> it really has. I'm not kidding. Oh, man. All right. It's just not going to work, is it? All right, then we'll do it this way. We'll do it the old-fashioned way. We'll do it the clip and paste, shall we? (laughs) Man, it's just not cooperating with me. All right. Fact checkers. Gotta love them, right? No. We hate fact checkers because they're not fact checkers. They're just extensions of people who want to control what you see and think and hear and say. And they want to... It depends. 100% almost. Nearly 100% of fact checkers, political donations, go exclusively to the Democratic Party. This is a new study just came out. You see the date there, June 14th. If you believe the entire fact-checking industry is rigged to push a political agenda of the uh, Democratic Party, you are not wrong. There is more evidence. In addition to the huge amount of biased, even laughable fact-checks, Uh, that support that conclusion. A new study from the Washington Free Beacon analyzing political contributions from U.S. employees who call themselves fact-checkers reveal that 99.5%, let me say that again, 99.5% of their donations went to Democrats. That's almost 100%. That means the policing of the internet for facts is being carried out by nothing other than partisan Democrats who nearly exclusively target people like you and I, conservatives and independents, with fact checks, which often are just full of crap. Massive damage to the reputation, financial backing of journalists who seek to hold the powerful and privileged accountable. This study examined political donations over the past four election cycles, and they discovered that 
22,683 bucks that was donated. 22,580 went to Democrats. Three donations were made to Republicans. These findings raise, raise huge concerns about the supposed neutrality or, you know, they're supposed to be impartial of these fact-checker morons uh, and the censorship that they carry out. Uh, despite claiming to be unbiased, these individuals show a very clear partisanship. The study even revealed that fact-checkers donated 10 times more money to socialist Bernie Sanders alone, just to Bernie Sanders, 10 times more than all other Republicans combined. Not kidding. Articles in our show notes. Read it, please. Check it out. All the details are there. And uh, I'm telling you, it is some scary stuff. All right, got a few tweets I wanted to share with you. This is brilliant. It's a couple of minutes long. So, yeah, I know, but it's worth your time. Trust me. We love Chip Roy. Chip Roy from Texas went absolutely scorched earth on that idiot Nadler and the rest of the Democratic Covidian cult. And it was a beautiful thing to behold. You must give a listen. Hang on a sec. I just got to do a little audio adjustment and here's Chip Roy. Roy. Well, I'm tempted to yield all my time to the gentleman from New York because he's basically making the case for me more effectively than I can. The gentleman from New York is basically acknowledging everything that I'm sitting here saying that I'm trying to do to protect the American people from the tyrannical state of the executive branch. But in this case, my Democratic colleagues and others on the side of the aisle. I want everybody in America to understand what they just heard from the ranking member of the House Judiciary Committee in the United States House of Representatives. Your two-year-old should be forced to be masked. That is what the ranking member of the House Judiciary Committee just said here on the floor of the House of Representatives, that the power of the government, the full power of the federal government, should be a part of ensuring and forcing your children, your two-year-old child, to be masked. We heard it yesterday when the secretary of HHS refused, refused to actually answer that question. So I'm really glad to hear that the ranking member of the House Judiciary Committee acknowledges what everybody in America understands, which is that the Democratic Party led by the president and by my Democratic colleagues in the House and the Senate are fully comfortable with the power of the government being used to shut down your businesses, force you out of work, unless you take an experimental vaccine that has not been proven to actually do what the gentleman just said, which is with respect to transmissions. More importantly, my father, who's 80 years old, is dealing with the ravages of polio. I firmly understand the importance of vaccines, and I'm proud that my children and I have been able to be protected by those vaccines, fully tested after years of testing. But to say that this politicized vaccine should have been used to shut down the economy and to kill the ability of my constituents to be able to go out about their lives and to force children into the corner wearing masks to get set back years in their education, that is precisely why this amendment matters. It is precisely why we're here reigning in the federal government. And it is precisely why this amendment would make this a better. Yes. Man, I'll tell you, there is nobody like this Chip Roy guy. He is, he is a ball of fire. Wow. 
That link is also in our show notes tonight. You want to check out, share it on your social media. But yeah, he just, he does not put up with any crap. He calls a spade a spade and that's the way it goes. (laughs) Like it or not, he holds nothing back. Ah, here's the article I wanted to show you. It is also related to the COVID shots. Um, Again, they're still pushing this crap on people. But take a look at this. This is from a confidential Pfizer document that was dated August of 2022, almost a year ago. And it shows the company, Pfizer, observed 1.6 million adverse events covering nearly every organ in your body. Take a look at this list. I know it's a little small on the screen. I'll read them. 73,542 vascular disorders. 696,500 nervous system disorders. 61,000 eye disorders. 47,000 ear disorders. This is from Pfizer's, Pfizer's confidential hidden document that got leaked. Here's one that applies to me. 225,000 skin and tissue disorders. 178,000 reproductive disorders. 190,000 psychiatric disorders. 127,000 cardiac disorders. 100,000 blood disorders and 3,711 tumors. 1.6 million adverse events from the Pfizer shots. Yep, and they want to keep wanting to jam that crap in your arm resist everything you can I'm telling you unbelievable all right let's lighten the mood a little bit <laughs> because this stuff is really heavy hey blackout coffee get yourself a mug from the jay sheldon show i know it's a little bright here it looks like that there you go it's got our logo on the front and back and it's a very cool nice big mug and you can fill it up with the best coffee you have ever tasted. It is Blackout Coffee. This is an American company that supports American values. It is conservative. Even Dan Bongino has his own blend over there at Blackout Coffee. But this company, I am telling you, they are amazing. They support our troops. They support our values. This company founded on the principles of conservative values. They make a kick-ass, delicious cup of coffee. Uh, unbelievable fresh roasted beans delivered right to your door from Blackout Coffee. And they believe in the importance of hard work, personal responsibility, family, respect, and traditional American values. This is the kind of company you want to support. Forget Starbucks, forget all that other crap from all those woke garbage coffee companies whose coffee really pretty much just sucks anyway. Not only is this coffee amazingly good, but 
you will be helping to support a company that supports our traditional American values. Delivered right to your door. It's roasted and packed, shipped off to you. You'll get it within 24 to 48 hours of the time it was roasted. So pretty much fresh roasted right to your door. And you, once you try this, you'll be back again and again and again. You want a special deal? The link is down there in our show notes, one of the top links. Just use that link to get yourself a special deal from Blackout Coffee. And I know you love promo codes. Here is one. JS20. Use that at checkout. J's20. And you will get 20% off your first order from Blackout Coffee. All right. Thank you, Blackout Coffee, for uh, helping to sponsor the show. Speaking of crappy coffee, Starbucks. Remember we did this, this story about the pride uh, decorations and all that controversy going on? We did that last night in the show. Well, today it popped up. They got smacked in the ass again. <laughs> Former Philadelphia Starbucks manager wins $25.6 million after she was fired for being white. Phillips alleged she had been used as a scapegoat by the company. There she is. Wow. Former regional manager for Starbucks awarded $25.6 bucks on Monday after a federal jury in New Jersey unanimously found she had been fired because of her race. Shannon Phillips, who is Caucasian, received $25 million in punitive damages and $600,000 in compensatory damages. She is reportedly seeking further compensation for lost wages. Dear, you got $25.6 million. I think you can forget the lost wages. Anyway, she got fired in 2018 in response to a backlash against Starbucks after two black men... Rashawn Nelson and Dante Robinson were arrested while waiting for a business associate at one of the many Philadelphia locations that she oversaw. Employees at the City Center Philadelphia Cafe called the police on the pair after they asked to use the washroom but hadn't ordered anything. Phillips claimed in her 2020 lawsuit her firing had been racially motivated. She said she was targeted despite not having had any direct influence on the decision to call the police. Well, a jury in New Jersey agreed with her and said, yep, not only did you get discriminated against because you were white, but you get $25.6 million. So there you go. <laughs> I love it. $25.6 million. Yeah, and like I said, you know, I seriously, I think I might just give up on the uh, looking for your, your, your back wages. I, I think you can probably afford to cover that. All right. Got another one for you. This from Twitter. Another tweet. Who tweeted this? Oh, James Melville. He's a great follow over there on Twitter. Check him out. Is at James Melville from Italy. The Italian government has backed a bill to ban 
lab-grown meat. You know, I just saw a story earlier today, and cover it on tonight's show. We might cover it later if it develops, uh, because there's some question as to whether or not it's real or not. But Australia is going to be forcing farmers to vaccinate their cows with this mRNA crap, in which case you'll be eating it. Mm, yeah, they're going to get it into you one way or the other. I, again, that's the headline. I didn't see any data to back it up, so that's why I didn't cover it tonight. We'll keep an eye on it. If something goes with that, then we will cover it. Because mm. Anyway, other synthetic foods, lab-grown meat, will be banned, highlighting Italian food heritages. I mean, really. If there is a culture that knows food, I couldn't think of it. If, if I had to pick one food that I could only eat that type of food for the rest of my life, it would be, it. okay, Fig Newtons, we talked about that, But and pecan pie, but it would be Italian food. If this legislation goes through, breaking the ban would get you a fine of up to 60,000 euros. Wow, check this out. It's just a quick little 20-second video. Italy is set to become the first country to ban lab-grown meat. Anyone caught producing it? 60,000 euros. Products like this lab-grown salmon and filet steak off the menu. Prime Minister Giorgia Maloney wants to protect Italy's world-famous cultural heritage, of course. So there you go. Look at that. Oh, man, now I'm hungry. Wah! Sweet! Ah, so good on you, Italy. Seriously, you've got an amazing culture of food there anyway. By the way, where I live, we have an incredible culture of food. If you ever want to plan a holiday for Southeast Asia, come on over. Get a hold of me. Send me an email. By the way, I rarely plug that. But if you ever want to email me, I mean, all of my PMs and messages and social media, they're all listed in the show notes. So you can always get a hold of me one way or the other. But if you want to direct email me, we have an email set up for the Jay Sheldon Show. It is show at jsheldon.com. Very easy to remember. Just email me at show at jsheldon.com or send me a PM on any one of my accounts, Twitter, uh, Facebook, wherever. I'm not on Facebook that much anymore because, frankly, it's it's a snoozer. But anyway, all right. So since we're talking about food, I want to end before we get to our, our book tonight. I want to end with this story because it's freaking hilarious chinese people we have an enormous population here in malaysia of chinese people and the food is absolutely incredible incredible some of it's a little weird mm. no we don't eat dogs shut up sit down but the chinese people in china are eating spiceless white people food to inflict self-torture in a new online trend look at this this is some sort of pepperoni sandwich or something and i don't know what is that avocado and chicken recently a trend has taken over the chinese social media by storm it involves american food the idea behind this is that chinese people eat spiceless american style lunches in order to self-torture themselves, <laughs> deemed as the lunch of suffering. I should do that in a good big voice. The lunch of suffering. 
Chinese people would make American-style salads, grilled chicken, but they would put no spice in it. And traditionally, Chinese cooking has a ton of spice. Not that it's spicy, hot spicy. Some is, some is not. A lot is not. But according to a report from the South China Morning Post, it started in late May when a Chinese woman in Switzerland posted a video of a European woman riding a train. And in the video, she was seen assembling her lunch, which was basically a bag of lettuce and a few slices of ham. (laughs) Sparked a discussion on social media in China, and a lot of Chinese media outlets published articles on the same story. Now, not only this, but they also asked experts for their opinions. And with that, a lot of social media users continued to reveal the rabbit food lunches they saw every day. Uh, A lot of people turned this discussion into reality, mostly young people, but they felt like this method of eating was convenient. You didn't have to cook after a long day. A Chinese blogger wrote, they had used, used to love watching cooking videos and trying out new recipes, but eventually they found it too tiring. They added, as a laborer, I don't have much free time after work. One Twitter post currently going viral contains screenshots about the same and complimentary depicts, uh, depicts what? Depicts the complete opposite of what's been said said till now. New trend in China, people make and eat spiceless white people lunch as a form of torture. (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, Oh, man, I hope I can pronounce this. Zhao Hongshu which happens to be uh, China's lifestyle sharing app. They saw photos, videos of all kinds of people making their own white people lunch. And uh, a one Chinese blogger referred to these types of meals as the lunch of suffering. One says, if such a meal is to extend life, what is the meaning of life? Ah, oh, it says, now that I know about white people's meals, I've learned what it feels like to be dead. But I've taken two bites, and it was so bad, it made me realize how alive I am. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> so, you want to try some bland food, according to them? I don't think they've probably tried, like, uh, Tex-Mex or... A good good bowl of chili from somewhere in the south. Anyway, <laughs> it's a great article. Read it. It's in our show notes. Funny as hell. And uh, yeah, <laughs> that's, uh, that's incredible. <laughs> hey, also in our show notes is our, our merch. You can check that out. The Jay Sheldon Show merch. Check it out. Also our AI art gallery, which is there. Exclusive prints beautiful prints mounted on canvas you can hang on your wall and uh, just just take a look you don't have to buy anything if you don't want but just take a look because they're really cool all right well george orwell and 1984 we've always read books on this show but we've always done classic children's literature like uh peter pan the wizard of oz the little prince uh, alice in wonderland And uh, we started doing 1984 from George Orwell because we are frankly living exactly in 1984. And it's amazing, as I've been reading this book, 
every night I just shake my head at exactly how prophetic George Orwell was when he wrote this. We're up to chapter 12, the beginning of that chapter, and here we go from 1984. Winston looked around the shabby little room above Mr. Charrington's shop. Beside the window, the enormous bed was made up with ragged blankets and a coverless bolster. The old-fashioned clock with the 12-hour face was ticking away at the mantelpiece. In the corner, on the gate-leg table, the glass paperweight, which he'd bought on his last visit, gleamed softly out of the half-darkness. In the fender was a battered tin oil stove, a saucepan, two cups provided by Mr. Charrington. Winston lit the burner and set a pan of water to boil. He'd brought an envelope full of victory coffee and some saccharin tablets. The clock's hands said 1720. It was 1920, really. She was coming at 930. 1930. Folly Folly, his heart kept saying, conscious, gratuitous, suicidal folly. Of all the crimes that a party member could commit, this one was the least possible to conceal. Actually, the idea had first floated into his head in the form of a vision. If the glass paperweight mirrored by the surface of the gate-leg table, as he had foreseen, Mr. Charrington had made no difficulty about letting the room. He was obviously glad of the few dollars it would bring him. Nor did he seem shocked or become offensively knowing when it was made clear that Winston wanted the room for the purpose of a love affair. Instead, he looked into the middle distance and spoke in generalities, with so delicate an air as to give the impression he'd become partly invisible. Privacy, he said, was a very valuable thing. Everyone wanted a place where they could be alone occasionally, and when they had such a place, it was only common courtesy in anyone else who knew of it to keep that knowledge to himself. He even seemingly almost to fade out of existence as he did so, added that there were two entries to the house, one of them through the backyard, which gave on an alley. Under the window, somebody was singing. Winston peeped out, secure in the protection of the muslin curtains. The June sun was still high in the sky, and in the sun-filled court below, a monstrous woman, solid as a Norman pillar, with brawny red forearms and a sacking apron strapped around her middle, was stumping to and fro between a wash tub and a clothesline, pegging out a series of square white things which Winston recognized as baby's diapers. Whenever her mouth was not corked with clothes pegs, she was singing in a powerful contralto. It was only a Opeless fancy. It passed like an April die. But a look and a word, ah, the dreams they stirred. They've stolen my heart, I. The tune had been haunting London for weeks past. 
It was one of countless similar songs published for the benefit of the proles by a subsection of the music department. The words of these songs were composed without any human intervention whatever on an instrument known as a versificator. But the woman sang so tunefully as to turn the dreadful rubbish into an almost pleasant sound. He could hear the woman singing in the scrape of her shoes on the flagstones and the cries of the children in the street. And somewhere in the far distance, a faint roar of traffic. And yet the room seemed curiously silent, thanks to the absence of a telescreen. Folly, 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 he thought again. It was inconceivable that he could frequent this place for more than a few weeks without being caught. But the temptation of having a hiding place that was truly their own, indoors, near at hand, had been too much for both of them. For some time after their visit to the church belfry, it had been impossible to arrange meetings. Working hours had been drastically increased in anticipation of hate week, it was more than a month's distance, but the enormous, complex preparations that it entailed were throwing extra work onto everybody. Finally, both of them managed to secure a free afternoon on the same day. They had agreed to go back to the clearing in the wood, and on the evening beforehand they met briefly on the street. As usual, Winston hardly looked at Julia as they drifted toward one another in the crowd, but from the short glance he gave her it seemed to him that she was paler than usual. "'It's all off,' she murmured as soon as she judged it safe to speak. "'Tomorrow, I mean.' "'What? Tomorrow afternoon I, I can't come.' "'Why not?' "'Ah, the usual reason. It, it started early this time.' For a moment, he was violently angry. During the month that he had known her, the nature of his desires for her had changed. At the beginning, there had been little true sensuality in it. Their first lovemaking had been simply an act of the will. But after the second time, it was different. The smell of her hair, the taste of her mouth, the feeling of her skin seemed to have gotten inside of him or into the air all around him. She'd become a physical necessity, something that he not only wanted, but felt he had a right to. When she said she could not come, he had the feeling she was cheating him. But just at this moment, the crowd pressed them together and their hands accidentally met. She gave the tips of his fingers a quick squeeze that seemed to invite not desire, but affection. It struck him that when one lived with a woman, this particular disappointment must be normal, recurring event with deep tenderness, such as he'd not felt for her before, suddenly took hold of him. He wished that there were a, they were a married couple of ten years standing. He wished that he were walking through the streets with her just as they were doing now, but openly, without fear, talking of trivialities and buying odds and ends for the household. He wished, above all, that they had some place where they could be alone together, 
without feeling the obligation to make love every time they met. It was not actually that moment, but at some time on the following day, that the idea of renting Mr. Charrington's room had occurred to him. When he suggested it to Julia, she agreed with unexpected readiness. Both of them knew that it was lunacy. It was as though they were intentionally stepping nearer to the graves. As he sat, waiting on the edge of the bed, he thought again of the cellars of the Ministry of Love. It was curious how that predestined horror moved in and out of one's consciousness. There it lay, fixed in future times, preceding death as surely as 99 precedes 100. One could not avoid it, but one could perhaps postpone it. And yet, instead, every now and again, by a conscious, willful act, one chose to shorten the interval before it happened. At this moment, there was quick steps on the stairs. Julia burst into the room. She was carrying a tool bag of coarse brown canvas, such as he'd sometimes seen her carry to and fro at the ministry. He started forward to take her in his arms, but she disengaged herself rather hurriedly, partly because she was still holding the tool bag. Half a second, she said. Just let me show you what I brought. Did you bring some of that filthy victory coffee? I thought you would. You can chuck it away, because we shan't be needing it. Look here. She fell on her knees and threw open the bag, and tumbled out some spanners and a screwdriver that filled the top part of it. Underneath were a number of neat paper packets, the first packet she passed to Winston had a strange and yet vaguely familiar feeling. It was filled with some kind of heavy sand-like stuff that yielded whenever you touched it. It isn't sugar, he said. Real sugar, not saccharin, sugar. And there's a loaf of bread, proper white bread, not our bloody stuff, and a little pot of jam. And here's a tin of milk, but look, this is the one I'm really proud of. I had to wrap a bit of sacking round it because, but she didn't need to tell him why she'd wrapped it up. The smell was already filling the room. A rich, hot smell that seemed like an emanation from his early childhood. But which one did occasionally meet with even now? blowing down a passageway before a door slammed or diffusing itself mysteriously in a crowded street, sniffed for an instant and then lost again. It's coffee, he murmured. Real coffee. It's inner party coffee. There's a whole kilo here, she said. How did you manage to get a hold of all these things? Oh, it's all inner party stuff. There's nothing these swine don't have. Nothing. But of course, waiters and servants and people pinch things. And look, I got a little packet of tea as well. Winston had squatted down beside her. 
He tore open a corner of the packet. It's real tea, not blackberry leaves. There's been a lot of tea about lately. They've captured India or something, she said vaguely. But, but listen, dear, I want you to turn your back on me for three minutes. Go and sit on the other side of the bed. Don't go too near the window. And don't turn around until I tell you. Ooh. <laughs> this is an interesting chapter. We will continue it tomorrow night. It's George Orwell's 1984. Wow. <laughs> All right, folks. Hey, don't forget, please, if you wouldn't mind, right over there is a follow button. We're gaining it. Hit that follow button. It's absolutely free for you. Doesn't cost anything. Doesn't You're not committed to anything. It just lets you follow the show. And it really does help this show out a lot. All of our sponsors, you'll find them in our show notes. Check them out for some incredible deals, including Blackout Coffee, NordVPN, and all those great folks over there, Skillshare. And I will see you again tomorrow. Good night. A major... Snort. <laughs>